a Podcast One production. We all know that being on page one of Google is critical to getting traffic and conversions. But what if you can't get on page one of Google? What do you do then? The good news is you don't need to be on page one to get lots of traffic and customers. You do, however, need to know about influencer marketing. Influencer marketing is like word of mouth on steroids, and it's one of the fastest ways to get your product in front of your customers. And best of all, it doesn't cost that much to get started. I'm Bernadette Schwert, and this is How to Build an Online Business. One of the biggest challenges most startups face is finding customers. In a crowded marketplace filled with cashed-up competitors, how does a newbie with no marketing budget, no customers and no word of mouth get found and get sales? The answer is social influencers. Danielle Lewis is the co-founder of Scrunch, a social influencer platform that connects small businesses with thousands of social influencers. If you're looking for a cost-effective way to find new customers, Scrunch could be just the ticket. What is Scrunch? That's a great question. Scrunch, we're a company that bring together brands and influencers. So we've done that through a piece of software that we've designed that connects over 20 million of the influencers um, to brands and agencies all around the world. Uh, but what really makes us different is our ability to understand an influencer's audience. So we've heavily invested in AI technology to determine who the people really are that are following the influencers. So if you need to actually sell a product to a customer... That's really important information that you need to know. So how old they are, where they live, what they're interested in, all of those good data points. So what is influencer marketing? That begs the question. Yeah, and great lead on. So essentially influencer marketing um, is the, well, we're calling it the new word of mouth. So influencer marketing is this brand new spanking term that everyone's throwing around these days, but really it's been around since the dawn of time. I use this example quite a lot, um, but essentially we liken it to, you know, back in the caveman days, you, you know, one of the tribes, man, he might've been out in his village and he sees a lion that he needs to hunt and he he comes back to the tribe and he tells everyone all about it. These days, it's more like you found an amazing restaurant that serves a fabulous frosé and you want to share that with your girlfriends. But that kind of word of mouth is just one-to-one. And influencer marketing through the power of social media has taken word of mouth and made it one-to-many. And so that essentially is influencer marketing, the ability to find these people that have a level of influence or can and really get a consumer to take an action like buying a product. And so what are some of the platforms that you see being used well by the influencers? Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting one. Influencers jump on everything that's new. And so we're seeing a lot of people on every social channel. So we work a lot with Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn for more B2B marketers and blogs for longer form content as well. So give us an example, Danielle, of maybe a company has got a bit of budget, mm-hmm. uh, wants to connect with new customers and they want to use social media influencers to do so. 
How does it work? Paint us the picture. Sure. So the biggest thing to remember is, is influencer marketing is actually like every other marketing channel. So you really need to think of it from a strategic outcome point of view. So the first thing we tell our customers is, what is it you're trying to achieve? Are you trying to sell product? Are you just trying to make a big fuss about your brand? What's that key marketing objective that we're actually working towards? Then we look at, okay, well, who is going to be that customer then? Who is going to buy that product or who is going to care about your brand? And what are all the ins and outs of those customers? So how old are they? Where do they live? What do they care about? Where do they eat? Where do they shop? Whatever those sort of data points might need to be. Um, Then, of course, we come up with the amazing creative concept, which everyone loves to focus on. Um, And only then do we even start looking at the influencers. So once we know all of those, you know, what's the objective, who's the customer and how we're going to, you know, bring this all together, then we go out and we find the influencers that actually speak to those particular audiences and can deliver the creative in a meaningful and authentic way. Let's talk about a company that maybe you've worked with who has got a little bit of budget just to demonstrate the principles of how they used your platform. Yeah, well, one of my favourite customers is YouFoods and YouFoods are a meal delivery service. So you might have seen them at, you know, one of the local supermarkets or you might have ordered them online before. And I love YouFoods because, well, firstly, they use influencers. So of course I love them, Um, but they do it in a really strategic and data-driven way. Um, So they've essentially really honed in on who their customer is but they actually experiment with different customer segments. So we've worked with them to sort of look at, okay, what are a bunch of different customer segments that we can test and how do we align the influences to each one of those segments? And then more importantly, how do we track the ROI of those segments by giving coupon codes to the influencers so that when they do post, we can actually see what's working and what's not working and optimise the strategy over time. So what would be the three target markets that they approached? Yeah, so they uh, look at, say, corporates who need to save time in their day. They look at health and wellness uh, customers and they also look at the uh, busy mums as well. Oh, the old busy mums. Yeah, there's the a, go-to few, target there's a lot of, of them choice. out there. <laughs> <laughs> so how do they um, target those three different audiences with three different pieces of creative? Yeah, so what we did was we sat down with them and really understood uh, the types of customers that might sit in each of those categories. Categories, um, and then we worked back and looked at for the influencers that had a similar type of audience. And then what we did was we identified those uh, brackets and we worked with each of those influencer groups and actually gave them a taste of the UFoods product. So we sent them out the new range. Um, so they actually release new menu items all the time. So we were sending them out sort of different ranges as the seasons changed. Uh, and then the influencers really got a sense of whether they liked the product and then, of course, created content around the product that would fit in with their feeds um, and of course showcase the offer and coupon code out to their followers as well. So let's take the busy mums and what kind of influencer did you pick for that particular segment? So the thing with UFoods is they have a very mass strategy. So we can work with anywhere from 100 to 150 influencers a month with those guys. Um, but there's quite a few busy mums that we work with. One of the good ones is um, Emmy Lux, if anyone's on Instagram looking her up. And what was the about her that you liked and what did she actually do for you foods? Yeah, so essentially we uh, gave her the product and she created two pieces of beautiful content that showed her incorporating the UFoods product into her lifestyle. Um, so she has uh, a styling career, but she's also a busy mum as well. So it was a really nice way of showcasing how she uses the product to you know, create more time in her life to achieve both of those things, really connecting with her family um, and pursuing the career as well. 
well. So how many followers would Emmy Lux have that would make her valuable to you foods? So as an example, she has about 6,000. Um, and that's sort of an interesting question because it's something that people talk about a lot these days, which is what's the difference between a micro influencer, a macro or a power. And that's really the follower range that the influencer has. Um, so you can really, you know, depending on the strategy that you're after, work with varying levels of influencers who have varying levels of followers, um, you know, to hit those key objectives. So in terms of Emmy, what kind of content did she create for you? What did it look like? Paint us the picture. Sure. So we enlisted her to experience the product. So we sent that out to her so that she could actually um, feel it and, and taste it and make sure that it was authentic in her feed. And then what we did was we, we wanted her to be really authentic and creative. So we asked her, so she's actually a stylist as well as a busy mum. So we asked her to create content that would feel really authentic and paint that picture of how she actually uses the product to achieve both of those things in her her life, not only pursuing the career, but also spending time with her family as well. So she created two pieces of beautiful um, imagery uh, and posted those on her Instagram account. And what was in the in the imagery, what did she show? Yeah, so I think one was a product shot, um, so just her enjoying the product, and the other one was actually had some of her family in it as well. So it was sort of alluding to the fact that she used the product as a way of, you know, spending time. I'm wondering if she gave her children a royalty cut of yeah. her particular <laughs> take on the deal. That would be an interesting concept. I'm sure there's going to be many kids in the future knocking on mum and dad's door. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sure they will. And I'm really curious as to what if Emmy didn't like the food? Yeah, so we actually do have a authenticity policy at Scrunch. So we always say to the influencers, if you actually don't love the product, let us know and we'll we'll come up with a way to you know pull you back out of the campaign uh, or find another product in the range that's more suitable for you. And what about the, the number of followers? Obviously, 6,000 doesn't seem like a lot when you compare it to a Kardashian. So can you talk to me about that balance between going with someone who's incredibly popular with millions of followers and someone who's maybe got smaller but more engaged? Where's that that fine line that you pick. Yeah, and I think you're spot on with the word engaged. So what we tend to find is influencers that have a smaller number of followers tend to have more, not always, but tend to have more engaged followings. And that's because, you know, a lot of them are at the start of their career. They're they're their friends, their family. They're actively commenting and interacting with their followers still. Once you get to that Kardashian level, they're getting so many comments that they just don't have time anymore to actually address and, and engage with each person. Uh, But the other thing to look at is the value of the comments. You know, sometimes when you're looking at a Kardashian image, she might be holding up a product, it might be an ad, but you'll see a lot of the times that these people commenting are just, oh, you look hot in that photo or love heart emoji. There's no value to that engagement. And we really want to work with influencers that, you know, if they're going to post about your brand, the audience actually needs to care about it. What we're seeing, Danielle, I think, is an increase in the demand for real people with real opinions, sharing that with their followers, as opposed to maybe relying on a celebrity endorsement. Why do you think we've come to this? Yeah, I think celebrity endorsements are almost being viewed on as ads, just like a brand might advertise, say, on a Google ad or on a billboard. And consumers these days are looking more and uh, more and more at their friends and family for opinions and recommendations. And influencers are starting to fall in that same category. They really have a lot of credibility and trust, especially the smaller ones, because they are speaking from a place of authenticity and they are speaking about personal experiences. 
And I think that that's what consumers are hungry for, a bit of honesty. <laughs> well, that's what's happening, isn't it? We're really inundated with content. Now we have to work out which bits do we pay attention to. And so we're relying on our friends like the caveman you said at the very beginning. We're relying on people we know to yes. tell us what they think. Because we all know that the Kardashians will just take the money. And, and this is support true. whatever, or, you know, the, the tennis players. Um, so talk to me about the number of followers we need to have in order to be on your platform. Is there a minimum number? There is on the Scrunch platform. So we take in anyone from 1,000 followers and above. However, the trend that we're seeing with brands is more to work with an influencer that has about 3,000 followers and above. So we still want to give that option to the brands, especially if they're looking for kind of more user-generated content or really grassroots engagement. Um, but we tend to see their work with about 3,000 above as a benchmark. So talk to me a little bit about the payment side. Mm. I guess people are really curious as to what does an influencer get paid? Yeah, and it depends. Um, the way influencers are priced is based on their followers. So, and this is sort of something that's a little bit wild westy of the influencer world. Um, there's actually no regulation around how an influencer should charge. There's really just a benchmark. Um, and that is how many followers they have. So an influencer, just to give you some ideas and numbers, a micro-influencer that might have up to about 25,000 followers, you're probably looking at about $1 to $200 per post. Once you're getting towards that 100,000 follower mark, it's $1 to $2,000 a post. Um, and of course, when you're getting up to the million followers, you're starting to hit the $10,000 a post kind of benchmark. And what about the need to declare your hand? Do they need to tell people that this is a sponsored post? They absolutely do. And it's actually just a new thing in Australia. So, about actually, I think it was about 12 months ago um, that the law was actually starting to be enforced that you do have to say if it is an ad. And so, basically, the ruling is if there's any kind of input from a brand, so they tell you what kind of message or hashtags or how the content needs to appear, then you have to disclose it as an ad. So, even if you got a free product and weren't paid, if you took a suggestion from a brand on how to style that image or how to talk about it, then you actually need to say it's an ad as well so the consumer knows. Do you think that people look at that hashtag sponsored ad and go, you know what, they're being paid, I'm not going to pay attention? Do you think there's that little bit of scepticism? Do you know what? I don't think there is. So to be truthful, so we've actually not seen anyone's engagement levels drop by being transparent. So we kind of are of the opinion that consumers actual, actually value the transparency, that consumers aren't silly, they know it goes on, um, and that if it's declared, you know, they're more interested in engaging with the influencer in general. I'm Bernadette Schwert, and this is How to Build an Online Business. More after the break. So let's say I'm looking for an influencer. I go into your website. Where do I begin? Because if there's so many millions of them, there's got to be a filtering process. Definitely. And that's where we say, you know, before you even get to our website, have a good understanding of what your strategy is. And of course, you know, we are there as well. So we have an amazing team of marketers, partnership managers, campaign managers that are always willing to jump on the phone and help you create that strategy. Um, but if you're arriving at scrunch.com and you really want to dive in and get started yourself, really understand what your objective is and who your audience is. So once you get into the scrunch software, you can filter. Of course, 20 million influencers 
nuances is way too many to, to look at for a campaign. So we provide some really awesome filtering tools so that you can get that number down, you know, right into that target range of what you're looking for. So whether it be someone based in Melbourne who talks about fashion, who has an audience in Australia, who's interested in beauty products or whatever it might be, um, you can filter that down in the Scrunch platform. So you're really getting your top 10, 20, 100 influencers, depending on how many you're looking for. So let's talk about results. How do you actually track the success of a campaign? Yeah, and this is a great question and comes back to that marketing objective point. So you need to know upfront what you're trying to achieve or you're never going to have any success um, because that metric will actually fall out of that strategy. So if your um, strategy is to create amazing brand awareness and have as many people hear about you as possible, we say reach, impressions and engagement are sort of the top three metrics. But if your marketing strategy and objective is sales, then that's exactly what you need to be measuring, need to be measuring click-throughs to website, conversion to sale. Um, And there's different strategies on how to actually do that because having a product sale-based metric should change the way you actually approach your influencer campaign. So you might work across platforms that have a clickable link. So as everyone knows, Instagram posts, you can't click on a link. So you might use Instagram stories or a Facebook post or a blog article. Um, And we always say use a unique tracking code or coupon codes um, so they can find out which influencer actually performs the best for you. Let's talk about measurement and how long it takes to actually see if a campaign's working. How do you know if something's working? Yeah, and and this should be the same for every type of marketing channel that people actually use. I liken this to Google AdWords. If you had a Google AdWords campaign and you had $10,000 to spend, on day one, you wouldn't put $10,000 in. You'd be testing copy, you would be testing images, and once you were happy with how it was performing, then you would increase your spend. Influencer marketing is very similar. So you'll map out the entire strategy, and let's say you decided you're going to enlist 100 influencers to post. We look at, let's execute on 25% of the campaign, so about 25 influencers have posted, and that will give you a really good picture on whether it's actually starting to hit those KPIs that you had first planned. And if it's not, then you need to adjust the strategy. So you can tell reasonably quickly. And then would you get the same influencers to readjust their copy or would you just get rid of those influencers? So we tend to say, uh, yes, if the influence is not working, don't keep using them, find other influencers. And do those people get paid even though they've had a go at it? In terms of posting, yeah, absolutely. So if they've if they've done their part of the bargain, um, absolutely they get paid because that was the brand's decision. They just won't get used again. That's right. <laughs> Don't call us. We'll call That's you. That's it. That's <laughs> it. On the other hand, though, if they were performing really well, we've actually seen it turn into long term ambassador contracts. So people that have really high performing posts, um, you know, that turn into a twelve month contract for the for the influencer. So it's sort of worth them investing in as well. What about the actual creative content? You've got to be able to write something. You've got to be able to take a photograph or a video. So what sort of skills are you seeing these good influencers have that enable them to write great pieces of content. Yeah. And that's what amazes me. You know, you've got so many things all under the one roof there with an influencer. We do see these amazing content creators. They might be photographers in a past life or in as a side job. Um, we do see some that are excellent copywriters. Usually they're the ones that have the blogs. Um, and some of them are ex-journalists, um, you know, or have studied creative writing at university. Um, video, which, you know, video is such a difficult, <laughs> trust me, I've tried. Video is very difficult to produce high quality 
quality content. So these influencers are amazing at video as well. Um, you know, even from a strategic point of view, you know, we have influencers that come up with awesome creative ideas for campaigns. You know, we'll start talking to them about a brand or product um, and they'll think about how to really integrate it authentically um, into their own feeds as well. So you're kind of getting the complete package there. You are. You really engaging them to be a mini advertising agency, aren't you? They're doing all the work that an advertising agency used to do. So just on that, Mm. are you seeing uh, the agencies being replaced or is it maybe just they're helping out the agencies with a sort of another level of service? What's the disruption here? Yeah, so look, we see it as really complimentary and that there's room for everybody because influencer marketing is actually not for everyone. You know, it doesn't actually work for every business. So the role of the advertising agency is still there to perform that strategic creative and planning advice and really figure out what channels are going to perform best for the brand and the influencers you know really deliver one part of that equation what about a small business or startup who's just getting going has no traffic no customers no track record uh, they're on page 10 of google can they use influencer marketing to get a bit of a leg up and start competing? Definitely. And we always just say is just like every other marketing strategy, just don't put all of your eggs in the one basket. So if you were a startup, say you had $5,000 to invest in your marketing, split it five ways, test five different channels and really understand what performs for your brand so that when you've identified that and you've got some more funding, you can invest in what's working for you. Sometimes I guess the occupation of the person is important and they can become an influencer in their own right by being an accountant. Have you seen anything like that happen? I sure have, actually. Um, you might be familiar with the accounting software, Xero, um, which actually most people are using these days. And their actual go-to-market strategy was through accountants. So, you know, before influencer marketing was a sexy marketing term, they actually saw an opportunity where accountants were influencers over a bunch of small businesses. Um, and they actually employed them and asked them to roll out the software for them. So that's actually an amazing case of influencer marketing through accountants. Who would have thunk it? Mm. What about uh, people who are thinking, you know, I could probably just go direct to the influencer and bypass you. Mm -hmm. Does that happen? And what would be the risks, I guess, of doing it yourself? Yeah, absolutely. And look, if you've got the time, some people certainly do do that. But yes, you're right. There are risks. So um, the first one is budgeting. So because it is the Wild West, a lot of brands or marketing managers don't know how much to pay an influencer. Um, So we've actually done quite a big body of research, both in Australia and globally. So we know the benchmarks. So we can ensure that your marketing budget actually gets spent and you get the maximum ROI on that budget. Um, Time is a big factor. So there's a lot of logistics in terms of back and forth negotiation, contracts, product logistics, getting that beautiful package out to the influencer as well, which a lot of people don't have time for, um, and accumulating reporting as well. So making sure that your campaign is actually doing something. So we have that live reporting all the way through the campaign that makes sure that we've got the right strategy and we're producing the outcomes that you want. What about people who um, think they can get this for free? At what point do you charge people? Yeah. At what point do they... uh the, the clock gets turned on. Sure. So we're always happy to sit down with a brand and talk strategy and really dive in and understand who their customer is and put together some ideas and packages and, and presentations for them. And once they say, yes, I'm ready to start talking to an influencer, um, that's when we start charging. Right. And so what they pay for is specifically the post. Is there a service fee on top that you charge or is it strictly whatever the, the post 
costs. Yeah, so it's uh, the campaign fee. So if they want to spend $10,000, um, Scrunch takes a 20% commission on that campaign fee. Right. Final question. What is one of the weirdest, nichest influences you've come across that has surprised you? Well, we get surprised every day, as you can imagine, with a database of 20 million influences. We've seen some doozies and a lot of them are not safe for work. But my favourite that I just can't stop looking at um, is this hilarious girl called, uh, if you look her up on Instagram, it's Breadface Blog. And she has over 200,000 followers and she records videos of herself smushing her face into bread and other baked goods. I don't get it, but I can't look away. (laughs) I'm actually speechless as to why that person has become an influencer. But technically, who would want to use her as an influencer? Well, I mean, off the top of my head, I'm thinking um, new bakeries, cakes, anything, any kind of bread-based product that wants a a run to 200,000 people. I'm sure that that would be interesting. Thank you, Danielle, for joining us. Thank you for having me. From talking to Danielle... This much is clear. If you want to find new customers without spending a lot of money, consider hiring a social influencer. There's thousands to choose from, and one of them is bound to be just right for you and your business. You could be one click away from capturing a whole new audience. How to Build an Online Business was produced by Dave Swalensky. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Executive producer is Grant Tothill. Recorded in the Podcast One Studios, Australia. For more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au, download the Podcast One app, or look us up on Apple Podcasts.